We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And guys, the way this season has gone is the Lakers have uh, set themselves up for really one of the most difficult gauntlets possible ahead of themselves. And the first part of that would likely be a play-in game against the New Orleans Pelicans. And the Pelicans are a team that Lakers play two out of the next three, two out of the next four games, I believe. And so we're going to get into that matchup because if the Lakers are going to get to the playoffs, that is going to be that first stage. And and so we're going to preview Sunday's game a little bit. Guys, this is a team that I think can very much beat us in a play-in environment. And and that's even with all of our guys healthy. And that's not to say I would I would have them favored, but I think they are a very dangerous team in large part because they have three things that we've struggled with this year. First, the trade for CJ McCollum gave them a quick on-ball guard. And we've struggled with kind of those smaller guys. Now, we'll see if McCollum is the type of guy that that we will struggle with uh, when we're really locked in defensively. But we've also struggled against guys who can go over the top. And Brandon Ingram is one of the best over-the-top shooters in the NBA with his length and range. Now, he's been out, and but there's a possibility that he plays on Sunday. And then, as we covered a couple of pods ago, they have Valanciunas, who's one of the real big, beefy, beefy centers in the league that... Uh, those guys have given us some issues too. Now, that is certainly uh, – w- when I go through those different archetypes, like that's part of the reason we're not a good defensive team, D, is we struggle against multiple types of guys. But New Orleans strikes me as a team on paper where it's like, oh, they got like one of each kind of dude that we kind of str- struggle with. And so they're a team that I take very seriously along with – they got uh, Herb Jones is one of the really good defensive wings, young defensive wings in the league. They got Jose Alvarado, who's a good uh, defensive bench guard. I don't know. They're a team that that I think has really started to come together. And I think that uh, I, I take them very seriously, D, in terms of a, a threat to beat us. As you should. Look, to be clear, 
every team that's in the Lakers path should be taken seriously because the Lakers have been an unserious basketball team mm-hmm. for most of the season. And so when you're unserious in general, any team, whether they're serious or not, could be a threat to you. We saw that in the Wizards game. We, we seem to be taking ourselves more seriously lately, though, which is why that, that I think that I it's it's so nice to have this like I thought a week ago or two weeks ago, D, that they'd kind of checked out. And so to be in this spot is fortunate. Yeah. So I agree with that sentiment that I thought they had been checked out or they had shown more quit than I would like in any individual game. The funny thing was, though, and Frank Vogel has talked about this, Mike, is the team has shown a certain amount of resiliency that is hard to like just wipe away as something that is insignificant right and and so after every ex- like once the streak of like really sort of like these dudes I'm sick of these dudes. Like once once yeah. it's gotten to that point, they always seem to be like, oh, hey, look, we're back. Here's LeBron. He's got 50 points and the Lakers win a game that they're not supposed to win. Or like, oh, hey, hi, Russell Westbrook. You're playing well again for a stretch. And it's just like, where did this come from? Like, oh, they held a good offense to a 19 point quarter. And it's just like, wait. When both teams were sort of into it, too, not just like, oh, it's garbage time or whatever. And and so Frank has been adamant, Mike, that this team is willing, not willing, but that they have not let go of the rope and that they continue to fight and show a willingness and a want to improve and, and make the strides necessary in order to be competitive in ways that are going to give them a chance, Now, the Pelicans are an interesting team, as Pete said. So where do you stand with the idea of like resiliency, fight, and how much the Pelicans can sort of thwart that based off of the ingredients that they have as matchup issues for this specific Lakers team? Yeah, the Pelicans have a lot of similarities this season, probably more than some realize to the Lakers And I I still think there are some key differentiating factors, but with this whole Zion thing has cast, I think, a similar cloud over their season as the Lakers injuries and just the the way that the Lakers season has evolved where for a while there was just uncertainty there. And I think at a certain point, especially once they made the McCollum deal and, you know, once Ingram sort of was able to establish himself more as a guy that could be a go-to player and they they reached a certain level of comfort that was just lacking when they you know like they lost every game they played except for one they started the season one in 12 you know we don't we thought the lakers had a tough start like they they were the team was just a disaster and then they made a couple of moves like they traded some of their young guys like Nikhil alexander walker um, and they started to play a couple of guys, sort of try hard guys off the bench like Alvarado and just a couple of role players. And, and then also just the emergence of, of the rookie Herb Jones. Like there are a little bit their versions of Stanley and Wenyon, mm. you mm-hmm. know, to an extent, although with more pedigree, certainly as a as a, a higher pick in Jones uh, and a guy that had some talent, but still a young player that they weren't necessarily counting on when the season started. And now they're at a point where they had also benched Devontae Graham uh, once. Now he's been starting and playing a little bit more when with Ingram out with a hamstring injury. But they just had 
sort of settled on who they are. And Willie Green has had some time to settle into the coaching role. And people really like him around the league and yeah. think that he's done a good job. And, and, and he's he's one of those guys where a lot of the veteran NBA players will speak highly of him because he was probably their teammate at some point. He, he really mm-hmm. you know was a journeyman, but well-respected. So they've kind of figured it out to the point where, especially with if they do get Ingram back, which is a possibility, we will wait and see. You know, they will they will beat you if you don't play really well. And and that's that's just where they are right now. Yet their ceiling still is lower, I think, than the Lakers, just based on who the stars are. And based this is mostly a LeBron James argument. We'll see the degree to which it's an Anthony Davis argument. So the context that I keep thinking about it in, not just this game, but the next game, the Pelicans already have one game in hand. And therefore, since they only play three times, they have to win one of these two to get the tiebreaker. And that's significant just because of how close the teams are on record. But ultimately, it comes down to can the Lakers win a game if they have to in New Orleans? Of course. But then they have to play another game. And to me, the, the we keep talking like early in the season, it was we were looking at the, the best couple teams in the West. And then we slipped down into that middle range well can they stay ahead of Dallas and Denver and then we slip down into the all right well can they edge the Clippers the Wolves out for the higher playing spot and and now now here we are at the bottom of that list seeing what they can get with New Orleans but if they can find a way to just hold on to nine that just makes the path that much more palatable and therefore it's significant but I also don't think that that there should be this expectation that the Lakers should be able to automatically get this nine spot over the Pelicans based on how both teams are playing based on what the schedules are. And especially again, depending on Ingram and AD's availability, the Lakers have done nothing to earn that benefit of the doubt this season. Uh, I, I do have increasing belief, which had evaporated when I thought that they had been kind of just mentally checked out and over the season that has corresponded with like a yes this these are the guys these are the lineups this is the way we should be playing that is similar to New Orleans's story over the course of this season and I'm I'm so glad you brought up Willie Green he's done just a really phenomenal job of getting their defensive house in order especially and they're a team that when we played them uh you know watching that first game on tape that was one of our checked out type of games I thought where we didn't really bring it but they certainly did and they whooped us in our gym and a big part of that was their ability to defend their ability to cause the Lakers problems on a multitude of fronts on that end of the floor in ways that I'm really curious to see if our recent drive and kick improvements, which I, I, I'm actually, you know, splicing clips together on this right now. I can't emphasize enough that we have gotten way better at this very quickly. And so let's take a break here. When I come back, I want to talk about their defense and their defensive approach against the Lakers. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So Darius, there are a couple of teams around the league defensively that really sell out into the paint against us. And Willie Green uh, and New Orleans in that first game, he followed that model in terms of how to defend the Lakers. Phoenix did this against us in the playoffs in particular, where they're really going to close down that paint and they'll close out to your shooters, of course, but you got to prove to them that you can make jumpers and they're going to certainly take that away. Now, the first time we played them, part of that is a spacing issue where Dwight's in the game and he's spaced out to the wing, to the wing three. And like Valanciunas is like, I don't care about you out there at all. And, and where our current rotations are a little, and again, this is before AD comes back. Hopefully, you know, there's some, some rumors uh, r- reported yesterday that, you know, hopefully the first week of April or somewhere in there. Um, but in the meantime, with the addition of Gabriel, with the bigger minutes for Stanley, I think we have a better drive and kick game where we can exploit that. So I'm curious on your thoughts of in that drive and kick type of environment, there are going to be teams that are like, we're going to shut down the drive. We're going to make sure that you can't get all the way to the rack. And that's a big part of what we do. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on how we attack a defense like that. Well, there's several ways. One of them is like, don't base your drive and kick off of initially a drive. And so, yeah, you want to pack, pack the paint? Congratulations. We're still going to post up. We're going to post up LeBron James. We're going to post up Russell Westbrook. We're mm-hmm. going to post up Anthony Davis. And if you think your guy, Curb Jones, hey, great, you're a rookie. You're great. You could make the all-defense team. Congratulations. Go guard LeBron for 40 In minutes. The post. And he's going to post up every possession that he can against you. And survive. Survive on an island. Now, I'm not saying, I'm sure Herb Jones will win some some of those battles. He's long. He'll deflect some entry passes. He will fight LeBron for a position. He might, he might have to force an entry pass out to 18 feet instead of 15 feet. And every inch matters when you're a post-up player. The same will be true of Anthony Davis. Valanchunas is going to try to maul him out to the three-point line. If it's going to be a post-up touch, like, yeah, keep going. 
like I'll usher you out of bounds if they allow me to, right? But the point is, is if you get to a point where I have the ball and I'm LeBron James or I'm Anthony Davis and I'm at 15 feet or in, the the danger siren starts to go off in defenders' heads. And then guys start to creep in and creep in and creep in. And then we talked about this when I was talking about Stanley the other day, is that when a guy catches the ball on a kickout or a kickout and then a swing, right? That that first step drive is still going to be coming against a guy who was coming at you because almost there's no defensive. The Lakers will are very rarely going to play a guy who doesn't deserve a closeout at all. Right. Right. The only guy who they do that against is, is Russ guys will see Russ out there and they're just like, yep, not closing out at all at all. I'm not closing out. Because of the discrepancy between how effective he is on the perimeter versus around the basket is so great that it's like, yeah, we'll we'll live with that. But with with a guy like Stanley, it's a little more complicated. It is a little bit more complicated because Stanley is also like a dribble pitch player. And he's got a floater game, too. That's that's the big distinction between him and Russ. Yeah. So there's a lot of this in-between action that then forces a closeout. And if you start Mike from the post and then you draw help from the post those jumpers are going to be open. And if one or two of those fall, defensive instincts are always going to be, well, I got to kind of go out there now. It doesn't matter if that's the game plan. We've seen the Lakers do this a ton. It's just like palms up looking at the coaches like you told me or scouting report says this dude can't shoot. And he just hit an open three. What do you want me to do? And it's just like the coaches are going to be like, that's the shot we want to give them. It's fine. And then I guarantee you the next time that dude shoots, the defender is going to be closer. He may not still run it. He's not going to run at him. His, his whole plan isn't going, going to change. But players adjust. They're the ones out there executing. It's not a spreadsheet. It's not on tape. It is I have to do something now. I'm on the court playing the game. And so, Mike, even against a packed paint, and the Lakers saw this throughout their championship run, you want to pack the pain against us? Fine. We're going to hit enough shots that it's going to be reasonable. And I think ultimately that is the plan. It's just like pack the pain against us, but we're just going to post up more. We're going to target. We're going to trust our individual offensive shot creators to beat your guys at a rate that makes you have to help us. And if that's the case, I think the Lakers are going to be in an okay enough position as long as at the end of that rainbow, there's a couple of jumpers that fall at a reasonable rate. You know, another thing that I look at with a team like New Orleans is they've got Valenciunas, who is this big that can absolutely punish you inside with his size because he's aggressive and looking to score. And in contrast to like a Gobert, right, who you can you can game plan a certain way for. And if, if we just pay attention to this and switch enough, you know, he's not going to Utah's not going to just keep giving him the ball. And I think New Orleans in this matchup, again, without AD, when AD's in there, that changes. That's what they should do. But McCollum and Ingram both like to score. You know, they are both score first. That's what they are like Carmelo, that they are get a bucket instinct guys. 
And that's not to say that either of them can't be really good passers, but I do think. Yep. Uh, Riggs agrees. I do think that that's something where Frank Vogel is thinking about, all right, what is the, what is the least or what is the best result for my defense? Who's going to shoot and from where? And that's New Orleans presents an interesting math equation there. So uh, if I can kick that to you, Pete, who do you want shooting the most? Where do you want the ball being away from? And what do the Lakers do with their personnel in that sense? So I'm a little concerned with our ability to dictate that against them. I don't know if you remember, but after the um, last game against them, LeBron was at, you may have even asked this question, but Valanciunas against the LeBron at the five groups were really, uh, eh, we're <laughs> making faces with rigs. Uh, the LeBron at the five groups really struggled with Valanciunas. And it, it, it was either you or someone else asked about if there was anything the Lakers could have done about that. And LeBron's response was like, basically, no, not not tonight, not against this matchup. And so that's something we've seen guys like Valanciunas. Porzingis is a different type of player, but he's given LeBron at the five groups trouble as well. Those guys that you're talking about, Mike, where you can throw them the ball and he is going to seal even LeBron James because he's way bigger than LeBron James even, that that's something that our ability to dictate that is going to be important. So that's why like AD is a absolutely essential. And I wouldn't be surprised if we lost uh, on Sunday against them because we just don't have an answer for Valanciunas. They're a team, though, D, where they just don't have an answer for Valanciunas. No. So I was going to ask you, how much does Dwight play into that? Talk to me some about how Dwight, because I think from an individual matchup perspective, Dwight can maybe hang against Valanciunas, but it's then the type of ball handlers that New Orleans has and what they're good at that then targets Dwight in a different way. And it's sort of whack-a-mole when you're, t- when you're looking at Dwight. So, so do you think Dwight can help or does he surrender too much in the mid range against good pull-up shooters mm. like, like McCullum and, and BI? I think that you can buy some minutes with Dwight, but I think it's more, with the bench groups than it is with the starting personnel for exactly that reason defensively is they've just got too much of that mid-range pull-up that is going to target Dwight and ball screens. Now, if that's off the bench, they're targeting Carmelo Anthony or they're targeting Dwight there. But I think that having Dwight in the game when B.I. and McCollum are split up, I think is something that is a, a way that you can possibly do that, Mike. But again, this is, speaks to the to some of the difficulties about them and why they're a challenge for us. Well, the buying minutes thing is for sure, I think, something that happens and that Frank starts this game. And remember, it's important that Dwight actually that there are two days of additional. I don't know if I want to call it rest, Mm. but like between games where the Lakers played on Wednesday and they don't play again until Sunday, which almost never happens. So that's really good for Dwight for that specific game, just for that one game. So he's going to have some extra pop in his legs early. And that's great. So use those minutes, I think, too. If anything, it just discourages, right? It's not that Valencia Yunus couldn't score on him and couldn't uh, get inside, but I think that maybe those are the times where McCollum and Ingram are like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to take some of these jumpers for these company minutes. And then, you know, they realize they can attack Dwight and then they start to do it more. But then, so that's the, that's the way that you start them. And then ideally you get Valencia Yunus in that LeBron Stanley lineup where you can pull him out and go ahead at him on the other end and tie him out, tie him out and or get fouls on him. So we've seen that formula work some to me. That, that's how you deal with a big 
like a classic big for the Lakers. It doesn't address the other concerns, which would be Ingram and McCollum, but that at least is part of it as, as Riggs agrees. Yeah, and I think to your point, Wenyan Gabriel either wasn't on the roster or wasn't part of the rotation at the time. So just having one more like athletic-ish big guy to do big guy things, that might be the difference between LeBron putting a body on him down low and Gabriel swooping in or vice versa for a rebound. We didn't really have the personnel for that uh, before then, but it's going to be a really interesting game on Sunday and we play them twice again coming up soon. And then they're, of course, our likeliest playing opponent candidate. Let's take another break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to have a little fun before the weekend. Mike's got a, a, a game for us. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Mike, what do we got? All right, this is a, a little game called Who Am I? And I give you guys hints. We see how many that you need. And I used to enjoy trying to stump um, our buddy Aaron Larsoul. Um, shout out to Aaron on this game. Shout out to Aaron. And I have three players. We'll see. Uh, I, I think you guys are going to do well. Uh, we'll see. And you can do it however you want. Maybe what we'll do is maybe we'll have you. You can either alternate guesses or if you would like to collab and be a, be a team, be a squad. Uh, you guys just decided. Yeah, let's be a team. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we're a team. Yeah. So I will give you the first clue for the first player. Are you ready? Let's do it. I attended Trinity Valley Community College for two years. Sean Kemp. Now, let me, I should, I should stipulate this. Would you like to just throw out guesses or would you like to, you know, kind of, because... Ideally, you're going to see how many guesses you can get this in. And if you guess on the first one and you get it wrong, it's a demerit. Whereas if you say, no, mm, right, right. This is like one of those yeah. trivia night. You know, things, it's like, right. mm, I think so, I know what this is, but I don't want to burn my guess yet. So give me the second clue. You know what I'm saying? Also, can we clarify? These are NBA players. These are Lakers. Did Yes. These are Lakers. They all played for the oh, Lakers at some point. They all played for the Lakers at some point in their careers. Correct. So they're not currently on the okay, team. So it's not they don't count. have to be currently on the team. Not currently. They could, they be, could at, be. But all they, they the only be. requirement is that they had to play for the Lakers at some point. All, all right. And we're talking active and retired player options, right? Like th these guys could have played for the team in 1987. Yes, I will repeat. The only requirement is that they had to play for the Lakers at, at one point. Riggs so is just like, I will, get it together, guys. I will guys. start over. Who am I? Okay. Just Clue number sorry. one. Well, no, that's my fault. I mean, I didn't really lay out the, the no, rules. No, 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 no. We'll, we'll tighten this up. Yes. <laughs> I, I didn't think it's better to be left in. It's funny. Okay. I attended Trinity Valley Community College for two years. That's clue number one. So there are only a couple of, like, small... 
this one bothers me because I know that like I know this guy. I I want to ask like era an era question. Where you don't does get that work questions. For you you get a next clue. Okay, give me you a next, next clue. clue. Yeah. Next clue. Clue number yeah, give two. Me a next clue. I played for six NBA teams. Would you like clue number three? This is going to piss me off so much. It is. It is. See, I'm already getting mad. Go ahead, Mike. Clue number three. Clue number please. three. I'm from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Oh, it's Van Exel. Of course it's Van Exel. Boom. Damn it. Nicely done. Nicely done. See? See? Now. I'm, I'm embarrassed. Like the Trinity Valley College. I was like, I know this. I know this, but I associate with him with Cincinnati. Right. That, which yes. is why. Had I said Cincinnati, then, you know, obviously would have got. In the six NBA yes. teams. If you would have said he played hint. for Bob Huggins. Yeah. Then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then if, if clue number four was going to be I'm left handed. But, you know, I knew you would get it after clue number three. OK. Oh, man. Player number clue two. Clue number three or the next clue, Mike, should have been I shadow boxed as a celebration. You know, forget <laughs> yeah, the left handed. That would have been the last one. Yeah, that would have been the last yeah, one. You, where, that you, one yeah. you have to get it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Here's clue number one for player number two. My father played minor league baseball. Oh, it's not supposed to be a giveaway. So no, but just a, you know, plant not. it in your head. Let's go. Yeah, okay. let's go. Number Next two. One. I attended Hebrew school. I'm stumped. Still. Yeah. All See, right. Next one. I it, once. These are hard, Mike. Yeah, they're supposed to be. Yeah. You guys are experts. Okay. I once gifted Mike Trudell an Xbox. Oh, yeah. This is helpful, Mike. Thank you for these clues. I've told this story before to you guys. <laughs> they gave you an Xbox? Yeah. You attended. Okay. So this is a. This is a. This, this is someone who would have had to have been associated with the team. In the Post last 2008, yeah, right. Okay, I I won two NBA titles. So this would have been the 09-010 team. Who would have gone to Hebrew school on that squad? Josh Powell. Nope, nope. Good guess <sighs> though, JPZ. Damn it. Yep. That made me mad. Yeah. <laughs> Serious uh, space there was. All right, uh, there's there is one more clue. Okay. Yeah. I went to UCLA. Oh, Jordan Farmar. There you go. Yes. That's good right. Call. He played in Israel too. See? Well, yeah. You're, these are good, Mike. These, these are, are these are the types that are going to haunt us. Like yeah, I'm see, still these, mad about exe- Van Exel. Hey, I saw Darius's face. These like, are the kind that when I'm driving, I'm gonna yeah, like hit yeah. my I'm gonna hit my <laughs> wheel and be like, I cannot believe. In there, I know there are some yeah. of you listening that that may have gotten it, but but also, but don't lie. Okay, if, if you if you think you thought it, but then you, you didn't say it until Peter Darius said, don't lie, but let us know. Um, and by the way, you guys are always welcome to think of these things to embarrass me because um, I I will. Oh, hey, Riggs done. Riggs almost jumped off the chair. All right, I got one more for you. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. I started my career in the ABA. Ooh, okay. I I have a guess, but I don't want to... We don't want to burn it? Give I'll, it. I'll, all right. I don't want to burn it. Okay. Although, but like getting it in one is that, you know, pull up from the logo right. yeah. type. 
All right. I, okay, so I'm going to give my guess, and if I miss, then uh, then it's all Darius from here. Oh, my. I'm going to say, say Spencer Haywood. Mm, okay, that, good guess, but that is, ah, that is incorrect. Okay, okay, okay. All right, number two. I was sixth in minutes played on the 85-86 Lakers. Now, these are supposed to build on each other. Again, it'd be, it, I'd be very impressed if you were able to get it off of that. But So I'm going to help Darius workshop it at least. So ABA yeah. went defunct in 74, I think, was the ABA merger. So this would have been somebody yeah. that was a veteran on that 85-86 squad. Yeah, they would have had to have at least been a 10-year vet. Mm-hmm. Right? Or around that, that point in time. All right. Now, this is a kind of just a descriptive clue, but it it may get you closer. I'm known for my incredible toughness. Now, this team that year, of course, did not win the title, um, just as a, you know. No, this is the team. So this is the team. They show up in a montage every uh-huh. Every every year in the playoffs, Cooper, Michael right? Cooper, because of that shot that Ralph Sampson hit, such a bullshit shot. I'm still mad. They threw that inbound pass to Ralph Sampson, and he like caught it and did like a reverse volleyball set. Like if you watch volleyball, he like set it all the way to like the back line, and so he just sort of set it. With his hands. And the shot went in. And now, one of the reasons why that shot upsets me so much isn't because the Lakers lost in the first round. It's because all these Celtics fans talk about, oh, the 86 Celtics are like like the best team in... The history of the NBA, right? This was before, like, the Durant Warriors sort of, like, laid claim to this title. But, yeah, Jordan Bulls. Certain Celtics fans, certain Celtics fans put up that 86 team as, like, the best of the best. And and there's one very well-known Celtics fan who who will act like the Lakers were trying to duck the fade that season. When in reality, some nonsense Ralph Sampson shot beat them. So that shot upsets me on on multiple levels. Anyways, so I was sitting here talking a lot. I still don't have a guess. Sorry, Mike. You actually distracted me. You actually distracted me. With, I think with this all is this exactly talk. what Mike is going for is uh, such such tangents. So yes. here, here, here. One more clue. And then Pete, you're gonna have to jump in with with a guess here. Be, be, okay, be, you want me back? Yeah. Right. Yes. No, I'm I'm bringing you back in. It's like okay. it's like dodgeball, right? Like you got hit in the leg, you were out. <laughs> okay. Someone Whoa. threw the ball and I caught it, and so I'm calling you back in. Like I appreciate like, that. Like dude. you're back Thank in. You. Yes. There. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna skip. <clears throat> I'm gonna merge a clue here, just just out of to make it fluid with what I just said fluid instead of fluid for some reason to make it fluid with what Darius was just discussing. And there is a connection between this player that you're trying to guess and somebody on that 86 Celtics team. 
But so you kind of keep that in the back of your mind. And now and I will give you the clue before that because you will get it once I give it to you. I was a four time all star. So this is a real player, basically. So sixth in uh, minutes on the Lakers. Sixth. See. So here we go through it again. Started Would career be- ABA, sixth in minutes played, mm-hmm. known for toughness, four time all star. Is it. See, so this is a name that's lost to history a certain amount. And it's a name that it's just like, Pete, this is one of those names that if they would have won a title, you, we'd know this name better as a Lakers fan. Because right. this dude was a real player. Oh, right? yeah. I know who it is now. Yeah. And so he's a he, bucket. So he would be he would be remembered um, not to this level because Wilkes was an all timer. Right. And he had major moments and I always say that one of the most underappreciated performances ever from any Laker ever is Jamal Wilkes's game six in the nineteen eighty finals. Right like everyone remembers magic and everyone should remember mad magic. But Jamal Wilkes went crazy that game. I think he had like thirty seven points and fifteen rebounds. He was amazing. And so Wilkes deserves his jersey up there with the rest of the Lakers greats. But is it Maurice Lucas, Mike? Ding, ding, ding. See, so Maurice Lucas is a real player. This, this is, is a great. real dude. He yep. was he was excellent as an NBA player, but because he didn't get to play a role on like a championship team in and and sort of have one of those two or three like playoff moments that get you immortalized for the Lakers, then he sort of gets lost to history as like sort of great NBA players who played for for the franchise. But this is a Lakers tradition. They've they've had guys like Lucas, right? Like Wilkes, McAdoo, to a certain extent, Michael Thompson was like this as well. Someone who had real pedigree and played for a contending Lakers team later on in their career. And he did win a title with Bill Walton in Portland in 77, which I think is the connection to the 86 Celtics team. So all-time great rebounder. That and then, yes, and then Walton naming his son, right, Luke yes. after Maurice Lucas. Yeah, so that was going to be the That's last right. the last uh, clue. But yeah, but you guys got it before Yes. That. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. I like these, Mike. It's a it's a, a nice change up from what we what we normally do. That was fun. All right, y'all. We got a game on Sunday against the Pelicans. We previewed a little bit. We'll certainly not be the last time we talk about them. We'll talk about the game on Monday. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Have a great weekend. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires, it's good, and the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! Rebound is Lottie, three seconds left. Van Exel to win it, it's on the way, good! Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston, of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding yeah. me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, score. Miss it. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock out of five. 
Bryant. Yeah. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.